Hello everyone, this is Ronnie Romero and you are watching CMS TV. From the Vice's release, that's uh, Kick-Ass from Regina, Canada. Vagina? Regina, Canada. Not everybody was from Vagina at some yeah, point. Exactly. From the Vice's release, it's the Heavy Metal Shuffle. And uh, we got to know uh, the Kick-Ass guys a little bit from uh, Snake Eyes 7. Yeah, that's right. So. Uh, what happened to that band? Well, they were... they. What did two albums? Yeah, and then they were gone. Yeah, well, you know, they they were trying to survive in an era where you know albums just don't sell. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You know, so they they tried, but they just couldn't do it. And plus, didn't their label head die? Yeah, I think so. Wasn't that a Kivel or not Kivel? Um, Bill Shavis. Uh, was it on Shavis Records? I thought before it, that it, it was it the one that he had before that, whatever that was called. Yeah, high high volume, volume music. High, high volume music, yeah. Yeah, I think that was on yeah. high volume music. Yep. Yeah, then it became uh, Shavis Records. Or I think it, maybe it went the other way. It was Shavis Records, then it became high volume. No? You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, I think it came out on Shavis. Yeah. One way or the other. He ain't around to put out another one. Nope. So unfortunately. Well, I was I was always a fan of Kick Axe. I you know, they were a band that they were just one of those B or even C level bands mm -hmm. of the 80s that you know, we, we yeah. talked about it here on the show on numerous occasions where the uh Canadian bands just couldn't seem to break through. Right. Even though they were just literally a stone's throw across the border. Yeah. For some reason, they just couldn't break into the U.S. market. They had some minor success and then nothing. Do you think, and I, I have nothing to back this up, so just tell me this is plain stupid if it is, but um, do you think that part of the reason with Kick Axe didn't have any love at all is the same reason Lillian Axe didn't have any love at all because nobody knew who was who? Because I'll be honest, until I got to know the guys in in Lillian X, right? I had no idea which one was which. Right. None. Well, I mean, obviously the axe name, yeah, was sort of like the throw off for you because they mm -hmm. didn't have any standout hits or they didn't have, you know. Again, this all goes back to the importance of MTV because mm -hmm. all out in the NV, uh, MTV era, and if they didn't have any standout players or standout. Uh, songs or whatever um oh yeah <laughs> there was axe there's axe I, I couldn't pick out an axe yeah, tune if you played axe. it for me there was like axe there was axes being thrown everywhere that's right yeah so yeah i, I just always wondered if and, and again i think a lot of that was when i was out of the country yeah so i really don't don't remember like you know, all I, all I had in those, was that in the like late eighties, early nineties? Well, uh, you know, when it comes to Lillian acts that, that was a project taken on by Robin Crosby of rat. Mm -hmm. He was, he was producing them, Yeah, you know, and they were out of, uh, I believe Louisiana. 
believe they were out of uh, New Orleans area. And then, uh, you know, um, Kick Axe was out of Canada. Right. And then I got to be honest with you, I know I know who Axe is. I just don't know uh, what their origins are. Mm. Play the, Play this song. Because Demon swears I should know this song. Yeah, Rock and Roll I mean, Party in the that, that was that was their boss hit bound single. <laughs> Trying to think, of, I can't even picture it. All right, I do have it. Uh, where is it? Axe, Axe, Axe. Uh, but here it is, Axe. Um, Rock and Roll Party. Yeah, it's called Rock and Roll Party. That's all it's called. All right, here we go. ain't gonna last forever let's take advantage while we still can i'm sure that you'll find the days couldn't get any longer day after day is getting old I don't know this. Really? Get all the boys together, have them tell you. hear the chorus. Friday night at midnight, we're all gonna get what we need. A knockdown drag out a rock and roll party in the street. You know. Yeah, I don't know that song at all. Really? Okay. What year is that? Does, do you know? This was like 84, maybe? Oh, 84? Yeah. Just didn't come to my town, apparently. <laughs> that was their boss hitbound single. Was it popular? Yeah, it was. I mean, that that was their hit. Were you in, were you in Ohio at that point? I mean, yeah. Was it popular here? Yeah, it was popular. I don't. That must have been when I was fagging out listening to WGCL <laughs> and whatnot. Listen to the Romantics and Corey Hart instead of that. Right. Because that sounds pretty good. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I just don't, I've never heard it. You know, you're you're hearing the whole uh, synthesizer and all that. So that was like in the early <clears throat> part of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do not know that song at all. Yeah, but but that's their big hit. Mm. No, and I'm unaware of it completely. So that tells you all you need to know about me and Axe. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you that they had anything else other than that, yeah. now, to be honest with you. Now, this being said, some asshole will pull oh, up some. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. I'll take this back. Okay. 79. 79? I was a kid then. I was Yeah, I 79. Yeah, I didn't know that song. Yeah, no, I don't know Axe at all. Yeah. So, yeah, they were real early. Uh, let's see here. Let me see. Just trying to see if this was like a re-release or something. Oh well, they're 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 claiming that this re-release uh, on Atco 
1880, okay. ATCO, 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 yeah. They were they were competing with Joan Jett and the Human League at that point. And yeah, pretty, you know what I was listening to? Yeah, pretty much. I was listening to she was working as a waitress at the cocktail bar when I met you. <laughs> Couldn't have, didn't have time for acts. And Don't also, you want me? Also Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar, yeah, Crimes of Passion, I think was yeah, eighty two, yeah, right? You know, and, and the thing is is that uh you know I, I I'm thinking back because, you know, I was a senior in high school in eighty two. Right. And Pat Benatar was the big name at that time. And surprisingly, how quickly she rose up through the ranks and was able to headline like Blossom Music Center. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I mean, that really was a fast ascension for Mm -hmm. for an artist. Right. But, But she came up out of nowhere and she was like headlining Blossom in like 82. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, she came from out of nowhere, but but really, I mean, she was, she did have like three or four albums before that, though. I know, but my point is, is she wasn't like a household name. Yeah, no, you know? not at all. And then all of a sudden, she just, I think in '82, she exploded. Well, that was hit me with your best shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's my point. But but she came up and she was able to headline Blossom. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just like, wow, hold, Pat Benatar. Because, you know, again, I, I was just vaguely familiar with her. Even at that point, it was just like, uh, wow. And, and she was selling big, surprisingly. Yeah. She has a lot of good songs, though. I mean, even before that, I mean, obviously, Hit Me With Your Best Shot was monstrous. But, I mean, some of the older stuff, even before that album, you know, Heartbreaker and Treat Me Right and stuff. I think Treat Me Right was on, or maybe that's on crimes of passion yeah, i don't remember she did that john mellencamp song that uh i need a lover she did that yeah she did on a, what album that. on what album uh I'll tell you here in a second because mellencamp did that in like 76 i think or something like that and then she covered it i believe you i just don't remember it yeah, i'm looking at crimes of passion she had four big hits on this thing Treat me right. You better run. Um, hit me with your best shot, and hell is for children. She uh, she did it in the heat of the night in 1979. In the heat of the night, good album too. I'm a big Pat Benatar fan. I like Pat. Sure you are, but what what's surprising me for me personally because I'm just trying to reminisce and think mm-hmm. about that time. I wasn't aware of Pat Benatar until like '81. Okay. Yeah.
are. Well, I agree with this. Pat should have been in the Hall of Fame before Dolly. Fucking right. <laughs> and then you have this. Laser Wolf's uh, Jesus. <laughs> this is a long intro. It goes on and on. <laughs> on and on it goes. It's amazing this was a hit. Come on, get to it. It's a long one. Oh, now we're going to go back to another instrumental. Jesus. <laughs> I just want the elevator music. No shit. Holy smokes. And again. All right. That that intro was two minutes and 32 seconds. <laughs> and it is amazing. You know what's amazing about that? A couple things, really. Number one. That song was a hit. It was a hit. Even with that ridiculous intro. Two minutes and 32 seconds. But the other thing that's amazing, this is before he was anything. Yeah. Well, this was his first bona fide hit. Yeah. I can't believe some record company guy didn't say, dude, knock it off. Just get to it. You know, I, you know, the Pat Benatar version, you know, pretty much cut all that out and cut all that shit out directly into it. But, you know, this was a hit in England, Mm -hmm. you know, before it was, you know, really a hit here in the U S right. And, um, when Pat Benatar's version hit the, you know, hit the, uh, U S airwaves, it revived the Mellencamp song. Right. Yeah. 
But that's that, a long intro. I love that too. I know Jackal's in here, of course, hating it, but whatever. Uh, of course. He fucking hates everything. He hates everything. But He's like I'm monkey. A, he hates everything. That's right. I, I like that better than the hits that Mellencamp, than the rat, like what followed the big years of Mellencamp. Sure. And I was thinking about that. Are there other bands that you could think of that had like one hit, one or two hits, or one or two albums even before they hit, but you liked their, you liked the, their, their, their early work, the pre fame stuff? Cause I can think of two bands right off the top of my head. All right. One of them, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis okay. in the News. All right. Picture this is better than any other record they had in my well, book. But, but that, again, that did launch them into sure. public interest. It did, but then sports took it. And yeah, just, it was just massive. In yeah. fact, it's interesting. I, I watched, um, uh, I think it was last night or the night before, maybe. I watched mm-hmm. the, uh, the Behind the Music reboot. Yeah. Have you seen those on Paramount? No. They've they've taken some of the uh, behind the musics from like 2020, okay. Which you know, obviously that was two decades ago, and then they reintroduce them with the artist, say Huey Lewis, mm-hmm. comment on what he said or did 20 some years ago during right. the original behind the music, okay. And, you know, they kind of are watching the same episode that you're watching, but then they go, oh, shit, I remember that. Right. (laughs) It's like, yeah, well, you know, man, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but here's what I was thinking at that time. Right. Okay. And I don't know, since you brought up Huey Lewis, that's why I brought this top of mind. Right. (laughs) Because Huey Lewis is suffering, has suffered from hearing loss. Yeah, he can't hear Dick anymore, for, right? For, for like forever, and he basically kind of recanted his whole experience with not being able to perform anymore because he experiences hearing loss, right? And what he was going through at that time—that there were early signs even back then that he was having issues. Right. But he either a ignored them or B they were not treated then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I, I was struggling even then, but I thought, Oh, well this will pass. Right. This is just a temporary situation or, you know, I've got a schedule to keep or I I'm obligated to promoters or I've got this tour booked or whatever and i should have stopped right and addressed this issue then but now i'm paying the price for that Mm -hmm. i believe it you know so so these behind the music reboots yeah with with again uh looking back with the artist today Mm -hmm. and they comment on something that they did 20 25 years ago almost and and say yeah that was that was a really interesting time because huh. here's what I was doing then. Sure, I'll have to see those. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's on Paramount, I believe. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I did so much TV watching this week. I yeah, I know. So. <laughs> I know. I was the same way. It's just I just yeah. happened to catch this the other day. Sure. And I was just like, wow, that's pretty cool. Sure. Give me a little bit of. Do you believe in love? 
and I know it's a super, super poppy hit, but oh. I love that song better than anything he did after, better than than Jacob's Ladder or anything on sports or any of that. Okay. That's written by Mutt Lang, so of course it's good. <laughs> All right, here we go. good song man well one of my favorite tunes since mm-hmm. we're talking huey lewis now sure is walking on a thin line oh yeah walking on a thin line a straight very, out of time it's a very deep song yeah and there's a lot of pain in this song sure like a jackal <laughs> what's with all the gay shit we thought you needed to hear something you faggot yeah shut up but but walking on a thin line is is kind of like a painful song from a from a uh, Vietnam veteran. Sure, that comes back from the war, obviously, and he can't uh, assimilate to, you know, he life. Can't, he can't get back to the normal life. Yeah, it's Rambo. Yeah, and and he's sort of like a man out of time. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like, well, where do I fit in now? Right. And I thought that was a brilliant song. I'll play a little bit of it. Yeah, uh, play some of that too. It's a good one because uh, Jackal hates it. Yeah, if Jackal hates it, I'm all for it. Keep playing all these gay songs. All right, here we go. that that line alone is brilliant it's like you're you're having us in internal struggle Mm -hmm. and it's like what's going to relieve this problem for me it's like i i want the light but then the light comes and it's like yeah that didn't help either yeah i'm something else i'm still having a problem here that's right so you know sometimes late at night i Mm -hmm. cross darkness and i pray for the light but sometimes the light is no consolation that's right like i'm still lost here (laughs) (laughs) people but but that's a kind of a brilliant line right 
Yeah. I mean, that that comes from a place, and I can't I can't uh, relate to it. I can't mm-hmm. say that I could write a line like that. But that's a that's a great line. Jim, did you just tune in this week for the first time? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? We always go off on these tangents. Yeah, it's it's still pop culture. It it affects yeah. all of us, regardless if you experience it or not. But you got to stop being so closed. Yeah, go listen to Made in Japan, fuckface. Fuck you. We're playing this shit. Yeah. All right, here we go. So here's a guy who goes and quote unquote fights for his country. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back to his own neighborhood and the girl next door who was you know, kind of maybe a love interest of his. Yeah. She just sort of like blows him off. Like, yeah, fuck you. You freak. Oh, you fucking baby killer. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, what a horrible place to be in. Yeah. But somehow Huey made a song out of this. Well, he stole a little uh, Harry Chapin. A little bit. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But, but if you listen to the lyrics and try to put yourself in the place of the lyricist, Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a horrific and sad place to be. Sure. You know, it's like, listen, I was on the front lines. I was fighting for this country or what I believed was the right thing to do. I come back to this country. I try to assimilate to my neighborhood and the chick that I used to have a good rapport with. She just kind of blows me off like I'm some kind of fucking freak. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. What Now what am I supposed to do? Now I'm just a paint chip eating bummer. Yeah, I'm just a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a piece of shit now. <laughs> you know, I didn't put myself in this place. I was, right. I was called to war. I did what I had to do, and I'm back. Yeah. And now people treat me like I'm a piece of shit. I find myself in the road going, nothing is over. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just it's a sad, desperate song, and I listen yeah. to that, and I go, I I've not experienced this in my life, but people have obviously, yeah. and uh, it's a great way. It's a fantastic point of view song, I guess. Well, you've dug into it way deeper than me. I never knew what it was about. I just well, sang well. along with it. All right, but now that <laughs> you know, when you listen to it again or hear it again, you'll go, "Holy shit, that's well, fucking sad." Hear that, or I'll pull out the Rambo movie, or Born <laughs> on the Fourth of July, one of the two, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Yeah, let me watch this." Did you really not know what the song was? I had about? no idea. Really, Dude, Huey Lewis to me is surface level. I don't know what any of those songs are about. Okay. I, I know what I want a new drug is about. That's about it. Okay. What, what What is that about to you? What I want a new drug is just I'm looking for a new way to fucking get amped up. Okay. All right. Right? Isn't it? Uh, well, well, one that does doesn't hurt. One that makes me want to go up her skirt or whatever he says. <laughs> I don't know. 
Whatever he says. All right. Well, there there's a lot of more deeper meanings to these songs than this superficial bullshit that you think. I don't listen to this. St- I never listened to this stuff. In the- I was 15, man. I don't know what this stuff was about. But you're you're 55 years old now. Yeah, but I don't listen to Huey Lewis. It's but not like you it's- brought this up. Well, so- I did. I said I liked this the picture of this record better than the big hits. Okay. But I didn't say it. I didn't say as I was studying the, the <laughs> lyrical content of Huey Lewis. But but there is an artistic value to a lot of this. If you listen to the lyrics, you go, holy shit, that's that's pretty deep. Dude, I listen to this stuff and I just I think back to that time and at the exact same time was when I was becoming a fan of Motley Crue, the most undipped, the non-depth music ever. I just didn't, you know, and I've talked about it all the time, about all the different fucking weird faggy bands that I listened to when I was chasing chicks, whatever was, you know, how deep is a lover boy song? How- yeah, uh, well, I agree with that, but, but this, for me, I'm just talking for me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a very heart-wrenching song. But you were, two things. One, you, you just in general analyze things a whole lot more than I do. I do, I agree. That is the first thing. And second, when these songs were out, I was 14, 15 years old. You were like about 20. Yeah, 19, So, So you would listen to them on a different plane with different life experience. For me, I'd be listening to it going, man, I want to fuck Natalie. (laughs) I wonder if she likes this song. I could play it at the party. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But now that you know, will you listen to this with different ears? I probably will go back and listen to Huey's stuff just because, I, like I said, I'm not even kidding. I really, really, truly don't know the meanings of any of his songs. Hip to be square. Um, I mean, again, a song like Do You Believe in Love, that's not deep, right? No, that's, that's just not deep, but that's why I picked this song, Walking on a Thin Line, because this one really was kind of dark. Yeah. You know, it's dark and sad. No, let me find Where's sports? Because I got to see if any of these, if I even know. I, I got to look at the list and know if I all right. Well, let me. Heart of rock it. and roll. I, I, I don't know. I guess it's just a superficial tune, right? No, not a superficial. Tune. <laughs> see, I don't know. I just see. I, see, I, see. The thing is, is here. This is very actually down home for you. Okay. The the thing is, is that this song was actually written about the band of Cleveland. Because Huey Lewis was out on tour and um, the the fan reaction to Huey Lewis in the news in Cleveland was very, very strong. Okay. And so they wrote this song that the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland. Right. You know, and they just basically said that uh, the reaction that they had out on their tour, because the, the, the four album was not immediately a hit well this is uh, hard rock and rolls one back sports yeah well what i mean is sports is what i mean is Mm. but but it was not an immediate hit right but when they went out and started performing this and so on and so forth cleveland was one of the biggest reactionary cities that took to this song okay big time and and they were just like well you know we're we're gonna pay all homage to cleveland and write yeah. the song 
you know, the mm -hmm. hard rock and roll. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. I'm looking at the, the 30th anniversary. It's like all Cleveland stuff. Exactly. Finally found a home live in Cleveland. Uh, Heart and Soul live in Cleveland. Hard Rock right. and Roll live in Cleveland. Right. I did not know. I had no it idea. Was, it was huge. It was huge impact when they wrote the song. Uh, let's see. Heart and Soul? That's not deep. Come on. Is it? Because you're hot and soul. <laughs> That's superficial tune, right? No, a little bit. Bad is bad. Well, that's that's another one where some chick cheated on him. Well, that's what they all do, fucking horse. <laughs> and then I want a new drug. That's a that's a very surface tune. Come on, nobody knows what that. Nobody nobody digs deeper than I just need something to fucking juice me up. Right. I was walking on thin lines there. Finally found a home. I can't remember. If this is it, that's a fucking breakup song, right? That's a breakup song. If this is it, please yep. let me know. Yeah. Uh, you crack me up. Have no idea what that is. And honky tonk blues. That's a cover, so that doesn't count. Yeah, this is not the the fucking height of this. Is not a Springsteen album here. No, I agree. But the only song that stood out for me, as far as like a heartfelt kind of like a really deep song is this uh walking on a thin line right you know so let's play a little more of this all right go ahead say i'm walking on the thin line i'm angry all the time angry. right and yeah, look, well, I can relate to that. Look, but. look what this is doing to me. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders here. Mm -hmm. And I can't assimilate. I can't live a normal life. People won't accept me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some kind of happiness or some kind of uh, oasis right. in this storm. And I'm not getting it. People are rejecting me. I'm just like a man out of place. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, trying to work and live a life and people won't give me a chance Yeah, because a choice was made for me that I had no choice. And the government said, you got to go to do this war thing. And I didn't want to do it, but I had to. And now when I come back, everybody rejects me. Yeah. Now my woman's fucking somebody else and people won't <laughs> sell me groceries or give me a job or nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's a very deep song off that sports yeah. release. I liked it better when it was a movie. <laughs> Rambo. Exactly. But 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 that but here's the thing. Here here's the here's the genius of Huey. Mm -hmm. This song has a very up tempo so, up tempo yeah. song to it. But the the lyrics or the message there, it's I'm fucking suffering here. Yeah, well, I never knew. Yeah. I was celebrating the suffering all the way. Walking on a thin line. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing I want to hear is that I'm wearing my sunglasses at night while I'm walking on that thin line. Yeah. Well, Corey Hart. Yes. Oh. I hear that. All right. I'll never surrender. 
here's the see the baseline as the dark side of it. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's the baseline. It's like do do do. Is that the Eddie dark. and the Cruisers dark side? Yeah, it's kind of dark. <laughs> you know, the 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 uh, upside is the poppy side of the song, right? But the baseline kind of speaks the 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 darkness the of menacing. <laughs> I menacing mean, Huey Lewis. But if but if you want to talk about the genius of the song, the lyrics basically tell the story. The bass line enforces the story, but the poppiness says, Yeah, everything's okay. Yeah, it's all cool, no problem. But but deep down inside it's just like, Yeah, I'm fucking suffering here, man. Yeah. That that's pretty if you analyze it in that context, it's like, holy shit. This guy's like ready to commit suicide. Yeah. Taught me how to shoot the kill. A specialist with a deadly skill. A skill I needed to have to be a survivor. So when I was upset, well, sometimes it don't work out that way. They shot. They taught me how to shoot the kill. It's no wonder my mom probably thought I was fucking nuts. I'm running around all happy singing these dumb songs. <laughs> she hears me singing these songs about fucking war crimes and shit. <laughs> but th- that's the whole thing. He was taught to be a killing machine. Yeah. And now I'm back in normal society. And how do I adjust? Guess you go kill that bitch that's cheating on you to start. Well, here here's the whole thing is you and I as normal citizens, mm-hmm. we got our WNE radio or whatever it is on the radio. And we're listening to Huey Lewis songs. Yeah. And we're just gone, uh, walking on the thin line. That's me. <laughs> and but down deep inside it's like, yeah, they taught me how to be a killing machine and uh. You know, I'm I'm fucking suffering here, and I'm about ready to commit suicide or blow my whole family up. And you're singing like a happy tune. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, dude. If you look at that, the entirety of the music at that time, yes, it was all super. I'm thinking in my head as we're talking about this. Yeah. Everything that was popular was superficial shit. Journey, Foreigner, Loverboy, yeah. Corey Hart, it Prince, all, all Michael happy. Jackson, all, all of it. No lucky songs. Every bit of it. The Corey Hart that we just mentioned, Aha, you know, all that stuff that was out at that exact time was all very either superficial or almost traditional breakup songs. Yeah. That's all it all was. And I mean, I don't think, are there other songs from 1984? that were like really deep and dark like this, that were hits. Well, again, uh, there probably are, but we just didn't realize it, Yeah, you know, but, but this song, again, this, this one is stuck in my head for literally decades. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this is a fucking dark song. And somehow this yeah. became a pop hit. Is there a morbid meaning behind the flock of seagulls? I, I can't tell you that. All right, let's listen to a little more walking on a thin line. All right. Now, now does this make 
make you, you know, as a sober Chris Aiken, you know, years behind you look at this and go, wow, there's, is this your Harry Chapin moment? It is. It's another Harry Chapin moment. It's like, holy shit. There's a lot to this song. Now I got to hear the rest of his songs to see if he had anything else that was deep or if it was all just goofy, except for the one song. All right. Labeled as freaks. Yeah, well, hey. Fucking freak. That baby killer, as you said. Yeah, fucking. You know, it's like, no, I'm the same guy that grew up next to you. We went to school together. Yeah, you're a fucking freak. Get away from me. Well, you must have been hella fun on a date in 84. <laughs> you get in a car, your girls listen to this, you'd be like, you know, this is about murder. <laughs> but it's, it's, you, you got to be aware, though. No, you don't. Oh. I got through 54 years not being aware. I've always been aware. I know you have. <laughs> I got till today of never suspected that Huey Lewis was anything more than surface level bubblegum pop. <laughs> I got 54 years to of never knowing. All right. messaging there is uh you know i i went to the war i went to vietnam i was like a train killer they let me lose some come back back to the you know neighborhood and you know i get no you know i get no accolades i get no recognition for my accomplishments i i fought for this country you know and so on and so forth and you still just ignore me like i'm just like some piece of shit no. Like I get nothing. 
for this. Next thing I know, you're going to tell me that working for the weekend is about <laughs> Auschwitz. I mean, that's where we're going at this point, right? <laughs> so good, funny, man. <laughs> Just, but but you know, the, again, the art of music is it expresses some kind of uh, meaning, or there's 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 power in the words and whatever. And you know, for me personally, I, I heard that song years ago, obviously, right. And it was just like, wow, that's a dark song. Well, I know it now. Thanks a lot, Neely. You ruined it for me. Demon. Lover Schwitz. All right, I've been known to have a funny line here and there. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, I had no idea. I, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure if I dug deeper into all these things, I'll find out that I don't know. Get a haircut or get a new job is about suicide prevention or something. I'm sure if I really look, but Jesus, good lord, dude. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Our fans are crazy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, so going back to where this conversation started, yes. yes, bands that had records that were better than their popular ones, right? I'm going to go back to their this, early work. Their early work was better yep. than their popular work. Yep. Somebody put it a million miles ago into the chat, so I'm not going to go back and find it. Nor am I going to give that person credit, other than if it was you, you can post in here that it was you. All right. Um, the other band, and I concur with this fully, Bon Jovi. Okay. The first two Bon Jovi records, miles ahead of anything that they did after. The, the original Bon Jovi self-titled in what, 38,000 degrees? 7,800. Right. 7,800 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Miles ahead of slippery when wet or new jersey or or whatever else came after that all the bullshit records after that but right so when they became popular yeah and like, even the the first album people don't even realize that the the first bon jovi album had a lot of pretty good guitar work on it back when uh richie was still a you know a rock guitar player oh he was a hired gun yeah, when he was what, uh, and, and like even the names on the album were like David Rauschbaum and stuff. It wasn't like their their stage names that they became. But yeah, they. Uh, I'm trying to think of what was that. I'm like they had a cool ballad on the first one called "Love Lies," okay. and, and then they had um, they had that song uh, "Get Ready" that just fucking rips guitar wise for that time period. And shot through the heart. You know that song, shot through the heart. It's all play that. Play a little of that. All right. That's a cool song. And I know I'm gonna hear more from Jack of Fag music! Fag music! But it was oh. it was really early stuff. I see. Bon Jovi never had a good album. Let's see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, let's see here. Let me pull this up real quick. 
Yeah. So I remember because I was working in the record store when the original Bon Jovi mm -hmm. record came out. It was just called Bon Jovi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 7,800 Fahrenheit came yeah. out. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what was it? 86 or 85 came uh, the uh, Slippery. 86 wet. was Slippery and Wet. Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, two albums preceded that. Yeah, and, and uh, I remember that uh, <clears throat> the big hit was "Runaway," or "She Don't Know Me" was another little one too. "Runaway." Yeah, "She Don't Know Me" was a pretty big hit too, wasn't it? She don't know me. Right. Let's see here, Bon Jovi. The hell is it? Uh, here we go. Um. So what are we looking for? You know, let's start with, I'm going to go one up, the song after Runaway, Roulette. It's just a crunchy riff. It's okay. pretty pretty crunchy for right. that time period. I mean, it's not Metallica, but it's for that time, that was a pretty good tune. All right, here we go. Here's Roulette. All right. most common denominators of songs from this era mm -hmm. lot of reverb oh yeah tons lot of reverb the soup yeah. mix sure all right Listen to Richie playing. <laughs> Richie's like playing guitar. It's it's not soft like he became. Well, what what what's also funny is because of the uh, reverb mix mm -hmm. with vocals. Yeah, you wouldn't re recognize that as John Bon Jovi even in Slippery When Wet. No, it, not at all. It sounds it, totally it, different. It, it could be anybody mm -hmm. at that yeah. point. There, sure. There's nothing distinguishable about the vocals. At no. All. Well, he was always the weak point of the band. I mean, he, he was definitely a songwriter, so he was good on that. But performance-wise, John was always shit. He's an average singer at best. That's average. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now give me Shot Through the Heart. That's another. I thought that was a really good song. Okay. Let's see here. All right. Here we go. Thank you. 
got through the heart It's all part of the game that we call love Would you be content to see me crying? After this little game to put me through All I've done for you, you're lying It'd be nice to tell the truth And somebody somewhere will say you're gonna take a fall I gave you everything, now here's the curtain call And I'm shot Yeah, that's solid, right? That's not bad. Well, this sounds like something that should be on the flash dance uh <laughs> You can hear Aldo Nova's influence <laughs> all over because Aldo Aldo worked with them on this thing. Well, you definitely can hear the little runaway oh yeah you know influence mm -hmm. there. I mean this this song almost sounds like she's a little runaway. Well, same writing session probably. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, there's that. And then, of course, the next record, the 7800 record, Tokyo Road is the jam. That is a fucking great song. I don't care what anybody says. You could call me a faggot all you want. That was the MTV hit, man. Tokyo Road, the guitar play. There's a DVD live from Tokyo that was out. Or back then it was, what were those things called? Picture disc or laser picture? Remember those? Looked like a big album, but it was yeah, silver. It, it was a it was a laser disc. Yeah, I had that. I had one of those stupid yeah, things with it, one it, laser, the Bon Jovi it, one. Right, and it fucking rocked. I mean, Richie just come out. He does this guitar solo leading into Tokyo Road, and it just blazes. I was like, damn, this guy should be fucking considered one of the greats. And then, of course, then we got Slippery When Wet. Yeah, he should he be stopped. George Lynch. He was early. He could have been if he would have stayed with it, but instead he softened it up and became wanted. Oh, he's he became commercial. Yeah, of course. They whatever, took all whatever, the edge off him. Well, whatever the producer said. Well, you know you're going to be big head if you do mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And right. they were right. right they we were go. right. This sounds like cultural appropriation to me. I'm thinking this song is about the, the atom bomb. <laughs> oh, this is racist. It is. I can't. I can't play this anymore. It's just an order for a Chinese food at a restaurant. Take some sakula. She wearing the kabuki face. In a time, in a place, in a world, 
like it. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pinpoint what it is that you like about this. It's just the raw energy. Yeah. You know, it's not slick. It's not Mm-mm. produced. It's just kind of raw energy. It's just sort of like, you know, uh, this is what we know. This is what we do at this point. And, yeah. and it's not, uh, you know, it's not geared or slickly produced to be, you know, elicit a certain outcome. It's just like, we're just going in and we're just banging it out. And, right. You know. And I get that. It's yeah. the energy. You hated this, or you you never even oh, listened to I, this I in the day. The problem with this, I mean, I, I heard this a lot when I worked in the record store. So, you know, I was aware of Bon Jovi before Slippery sure. When that Oh, came sure. Out, you know, because, uh, you know, people were coming in looking for Runaway. They mm-hmm. were, Who's that band that does that Runaway song, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, the whole Bon Jovi thing, it's like, oh, she's a little runaway. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, but obviously when Slippery and Wet came out, everybody was on the bandwagon. It's like, oh, man, Bon Jovi, get down with that, man. And and these songs got forgotten. Yeah, of course. None of these. I'll bet you he hasn't played one song off of, I'll bet he's only played Runaway off of either of these two albums in the last 30 years sure no chance he's playing tokyo road or silent night or in and out of love or any of those songs there's just no way but there's a lot of good songs on this one too always run to you was good king of the mountain was good um to the fire was good to the fire shut up jackal Let him get under your skin, don't you? I'm not let him get under my skin. He know, he's fucking with me, and I'm fucking right back. All right. I know what he's doing. He ain't that smart. But yeah, that's that. those are probably my two big ones that I like a million times better than when they were popular. You, you like, got any? You like their early stuff. Yeah. Do you got any that like, oh, you yeah. like? Well, obviously, you know, my favorite, you know, which I've talked about a million times in the show, Chicago. Sure, sure, sure. You know, the early Chicago has always been my favorite, yeah. you know, before they had a rebirth in the 80s when, you know, David Foster got a hold of them. Right. But, you know, the early stuff, and I talked about it earlier in the show tonight that I was listening to uh, live at Carnegie Hall in 1971. Yeah. You know, with Terry Kath on lead guitar and the original you know, the original lineup. Sure. And obviously when they hit the eighties and the MTV era and the David Foster era, they tailored their sound to be more hit oriented mm-hmm. and they were very successful. Their, their biggest selling album, even through the seventies, which had up most of their biggest hits or a lot of their bigger hits, radio hits, uh, was Chicago 17. Oh Yeah. That thing sold like 10 million copies. That's what, Stay the Night? Yeah, Stay the Night and, and all that stuff. It was pop, you know, you know, radio-friendly pop songs. I remember hating that video for Stay the Night. Well, that... Oh, did they play that to death? They did. But but again, that, that again, shows the power of video and MTV. Yeah. Peter Satara with those big stupid white choppers. <laughs> Always smiling in the video, looking like a fucking idiot. Right. 
Oh, I hated that video. But the 70s Chicago is my favorite. You know, it's, you know, the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, you know. But when the 80s hit and they became main, you know, again, mainstream, even though they had a million hits on the radio prior to that, uh, MTV blew them up into big pop stars, even though these guys were pushing 40 years old at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah but these guys were pushing 40 sure when mtv made them pop stars same with asia yeah all them guys were in their 40s weren't they yeah they were and yes remember how yes yes was like a a hippie band and all of a sudden they were a pop band with owner of the lonely heart yeah and they were old men at that point too yeah so, uh, even even Y and T, oh yeah, Y and T started in seventy four, but they didn't really hit until like eighty eighty five eighty five or something. Stupid summertime girls, the worst song they ever recorded. Right, I hate that song. But but the point is, is they were around 10, 12 years before. I mean, mm-hmm. Chicago started in sixty eight. Yeah, and they didn't hit big on until you know they they had huge hits through the 70s but but uh stay the night or not stay the night but uh hard habit to break mm-hmm. was big on mtv yeah. in 82 yeah you know so they they were around 14 years prior to mtv was 16 not huge with it was huge love me tomorrow and yes Hard habit to break. Yeah, what's the one that has like the real long end to it? And that that's get away. Hard habit to break. Okay. Yeah, I I I like them at sixteen. I just remember going from sixteen to seventeen was like yeah, that seventeen was a major pop record with a lot of synthesizers and MTV videos and so on and so forth. But MTV served them well. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Anthony is correct. He is correct. Uh, hard to say I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. MTV served them well as far mm-hmm. as like, what do you want to call uh commercial sales? Yeah. You know, they did really well with uh 16, 17, 18, 19, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. The David Foster years. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, yeah. again, I, you can't argue the success. I mean, we're definitely wrong. As far as it was it good or not, we're definitely wrong. But I mean, well, the thing- I'm definitely wrong because I think all that era of, of Chicago blows. I like yeah. the the early, you know, color my color my world or you know, twenty five or sixty four, sixty four or, yeah. or uh, old days or what, yeah. whatever it is. All but the they, stuff. they had a lot of seventy. They had a lot of hits on the radio prior to mtv mm-hmm. oh yeah sure but mtv helped blow them really yeah. up to mainstream but they tailored their sound to appeal to sure. really mass uh, mm-hmm. audiences you know yeah dude another one that did the same thing fucking lionel richie yeah lionel mm-hmm. richie when he was doing brick house and stuff that stuff was popular and was fun yeah it was but man doors they dumbed him down to doing stuck on you and all night long and stuff. And man, he was mega. Yeah. But, but it was just mindless pop music. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm trying so. to think what it must have been about the uh, the invasion of the Falklands or something stuck <laughs> on you. <laughs> but 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 it is true that uh, classic rock or you know rock radio or whatever you want to call it at that time because it wasn't considered classic rock it was just mm-hmm. rock radio um they were playing those hits but but until MTV came along and really blew it up to the you know what do you want to call the public uh perception yeah yeah this is a lie ben just stop it dancing on the ceiling was shit that's a terrible song it's not a great song. I mean, I mean, uh, probably one of my favorite uh, songs that Lionel Richie participated in, obviously, with the Commodores was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I know this is kind of a, you know, kind of a laid back, easy going song. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Uh, easy? Easy. <laughs> yeah. Like, easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But but you didn't know them by name. You just knew them as the Commodores. But yeah. obviously, Lionel Richie broke out as a solo artist. You know? Yeah. And the same thing with Michael Jackson. I mean, he was part of the Jackson 5. Yeah. But, but you know, he hit with Off the Wall. And then, obviously, the huge hit was uh, his Thriller release. Sure. You know, little known fact about Easy, but that was actually written about Stalin and his reign. Was it? No. Was it about Hitler and killing the Jews? <laughs> exactly. was, that, was that what? Because it's easy. Yeah. Did I miss that? You missed it somehow. Are, are you are you informing me of something I wasn't aware yeah, of? I'm trying to keep you up to date with that stuff. The, the dark side of all these songs. <laughs> the dark side of the moon. That's right. Yes. <laughs> all right well let's take a break let's come back right. let's wrap up the show all right sounds good what do you want to hear uh easy by faith no more okay they did a cover of it it's good did they yep dude what's this song really about mousing tongue mow <laughs> that the deer hunter <laughs> i gotta watch that movie again what the deer hunter yeah that's a long movie that is long dude i'm not afraid of a long movie takes place in the hills of pennsylvania mm. man i just like how they keep slapping him mow mow psh, mow psh. <laughs> he shoots himself Walken. in the head christopher walken man love that movie so it's, good yeah it's it's a long movie though yeah you know what i don't love and, and we'll get to the song here in a second but do you like apocalypse now uh, it's it's in that same vein as um uh what do you want to, what's the one with the um with pile uh god damn it i just watched it too not heartbreak rich uh, but um what was that movie <laughs> god damn it why can't i think of it um uh, not what is that movie Pile, um, army movie. Watch again. Give me Gomer Pile. Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, it's right up there with that. You really <laughs> think? See, I, I, it's in that same vein. It's all these war movies. I love war movies. I do not like Apocalypse Now. All right. It just, I don't know. 
I think the the whole character that um, Brando plays is just too far fetched for me or something. It's just okay. too fucking stupid. All right. But yeah, I, I mean, I've tried several times. I even own the the redo or whatever Redux redo whatever we call sure. that. I own it. I don't know. I must have got it at a garage sale or some shit, but but uh, I, I don't dig it. It tainted the movie. It, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was some in somebody's garage. It's all moldy. It just kind of like ruined it for me. Yeah. Little known fact, the Lionel Richie sings all the songs in the soundtrack. Okay. Just thought I'd tell you that. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, Lionel Richie sings this song. It's uh, easy. But uh, Faith Mo- No More does a cover of it. That's right. Or a tribute. A Is tribute. it a cover or a tribute? It's a cub troot. It's a cub troot. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to play a few songs. <laughs> we'll come back, wrap up the show. So here it is. It's Faith No More with uh, doing the Commodore's Classic featuring Lionel Richie with Easy exclusively here. On your classic metal show. We'll be right back. 